Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show comes to you from sunny. It is beautiful. Sunny, warm, toasty outside in California. If you're a valued customer, you deserve a simple gesture of appreciation from your credit card company. That's why Discover matches all the cash back you earned at the end of your first year. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Uh, Rick Buecher is going to join us in 15 minutes. We'll ask him about Russell Westbrook, why it doesn't appear to be working with the Lakers, and what they can do to kind of fix this thing here as you get ready for the playoffs. They'll be a playoff team, and they'll be better with Anthony Davis, but they don't appear to be a championship-caliber team. And you get to this point, like, what is LeBron doing here if he's not trying to win a championship, right? Uh, But I want to start with this. this. Mike McCarthy met with the media yesterday, and this is really the quote that everybody picked up on. This is Mike, this is Mike McCarthy was, was talking about the moment and the players and their focus and their energy, and he had this to say about something he noticed before the game. Take a listen. Oh, we'll, 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 we'll get it in one, one second for you. You know, look, I, I I like that people are honest with you when when you're asking questions post-mortem. You're like, what went wrong, whatever. But there are certain things which you say which I don't know if they reflect or I don't know if they land the way that Mike McCarthy thought it would land, right? <clears throat> so the Cowboys, I don't know, it, just, it, it didn't feel like they were not – ready the way that Arizona wasn't ready, but they weren't ready to play. The Niners jumped on them, right? So here's McCarthy yesterday talking about that. We were nervous to start the game. Uh, Fell it in the locker room at the team prayer, but I thought we fought through that okay. Yeah, that's a weird one. That's weird. We were nervous. I felt it at the team prayer. You, You felt it at the team prayer? Now, teams generally reflect the feelings of their coach, and it would be fair to say, like, look, this coach hadn't coached in the playoffs in a couple years. Last year's season, of course, was derailed, not just because of Dak. That was a big one, right? Dak gets hurt. Um, But it wasn't like they were playing great football. And the year before, if you remember, they didn't beat any good teams. That's why Jason Garrett got fired. So this group, it had been a minute. It had been a minute. But that's a weird quote to admit, right? That it, we were we were nervous and we fought through it. And I think you know, look, playoff game at home, Dak firing balls a little bit high, like that's to be understood. What's what's weird is the coach admitting it. I don't know. I I, I felt that the team prayer, like, well, if you feel something and you want to change something then you try and find a way to loosen guys up, don't you? That's, that's, we, we talk about emotional intelligence all the time. 
if you can feel that your team is nervous, how about I thought my team was nervous, and so, you know, I decided, all right, somebody can go throw the water boy on or Varsity Blues on, or we, we tried to loosen up with some music. Like, like, there is something to it. Have you seen how the Niners leave the locker room and walk out to the field? Big Trent Williams, who's just a – he's – I don't know what the definition of a G is, but Trent Williams feels like a G, right? Like he and Debo Samuel are in the front, and they they have some quality – somebody on staff has a ridiculously oversized San Francisco 49er red boombox, and they come walking out, rapping, rocking out, and – they are loose, they are ready, and they were talking trash. It it was this it was on. This is not Mike McCarthy's first rodeo. He was in the playoffs year after year after year. To not have some sort of device or understanding of, hey, we're gonna be we're gonna be fired up to the point of being a little bit nervous and not do anything about it. Like, what do you do? That's that I guess that's my question. You you don't coach offense. You don't coach defense. You don't call plays, right? You're not a special teams guy. You mismanage the clock at the end of the game, and then you're supposed to get the guys to want to play for you. And they're nervous, and you. I felt it a team prayer, and, you know, we fought through it. Like, yeah, I, that ain't it for me. I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm, I love the idea that he was honest. Hey, let me be honest with you. We were a little bit nervous. You felt that, Mike? Team prayer. What'd you do about it? Well, we fought through it. Like, yeah. You've been doing this a long time and you don't have better devices for getting guys to loosen up and and just go out and play, play hard. I don't know. Not a great look. I just, I don't, I don't really understand the Mike McCarthy thing. I know he won a Super Bowl. I know they're consistently good in Green Bay. They've been consistently good, if not better, since he's left. So what, what is the thing? Hey, we were nervous to start the game. We fought through it. Why, why are you telling us this? You know? I mean, all the things that Mike talked about, you know, we talked about cleaning up penalties. You didn't do it. They planned for that last play, the quarterback, the quarterback uh, uh, draw. They didn't execute it well. I, they were nervous for the game. We fought through it. You didn't do anything about it. I, I just, it, it all falls into, n- none of this is anything different than what we thought. You were just a casual observer, thought they were nervous, and you're like, man, eh, we'll just fight through it. Not the way it apparently works. Do I think they were nervous? Yeah. Do I think they're all so fired up? There's a way to use those nerves and use that energy. You've been around this sport long enough. You don't put some Robitussin on nerves and expect to all of a sudden figure it out. The Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. All right, uh, coming up next, we'll get to Rick Buecher is going to join us. We'll ask Buke, uh, all right, who's, whose call was it to bring in Russell Wilson? Well, Russell Westbrook, excuse me. Was it Palinka? Was it LeBron? Or what percentage of each was it? Um, and it, it does feel like Vogel's gone. But what happened last night, I thought was a very easy, uh, very easy position where 
LeBron could have simply said like, hey, I love Russ. Frank's our coach. We won a championship. We just got to get better. This is just one game. And he clearly did not. Feels like Bogle's gone, but who could possibly replace him at this point in time? Who's a bit, who's on the market and can coach LeBron? That's upcoming next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. Do, 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 do. Um, there's a lot going on. Okay. And, uh, the Lakers thing I think is the most interesting because you have so many big names. So much of this was foreseeable. And, um, and and I think something we thought about Russell Westbrook, you always wondered like, is he easy to coach? Is he hard to coach? It's a weird thing, right? Because he kind of does do his own thing. Scotty Brooks seemed to manage it really well, both in Oklahoma city and in, in, in DC. Um, and they, they tried to make it work in Houston that one year, but whether it was Harden or not having any big guys and playing small ball. And by the way, they lost to the Lakers, who really exposed Russell Westbrook's inability to shoot the basketball. It's Doug Gottlieb show, and it's uh, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Check out the latest lines from World of Sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be 21. Present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler. Now, I, I do Bet Rivers stuff all the time, and to start the season, I said take the under on the Lakers wins. One, because you have guys that are older, they're going to be injured. And then you have Anthony Davis, who's not older, but he's often injured. And I, I didn't love I didn't love what they put together in far, defensively, really. And that's apparently why Russell Westbrook got pulled. Here's LeBron James after the game. And he did, on some level, give support to uh, the coaching staff. So the coach has been great. He said, I'm not in a point in fingers. But he was asked about how Russell felt about being pulled late in the game or not being put back in the game late in the game. Here's what he had to say. How was Russ after the game? Did, is that the sort of thing that bothers him? Have you followed Russ throughout his career? <laughs> not as close as you have, probably. Okay. Have you followed Russ throughout this season? Yeah. Now, would you think that would bother Russ not being in the late game? I would imagine. Okay. Great answer. Can you quote me on that? I mean... Yeah, you should quote yourself. <laughs> you guys want to quote us all the time. Quote yourself. Rick Buecher joins us. Covered the NBA for years. You can see him on uh, Speak for Yourself on Fox Sports 1 as well. Uh, Buke, what what's your reaction to what's gone wrong for the Lakers? Not a surprise. I mean, I, I think you alluded to it. It was to be expected. Uh, anybody who has followed Russ Westbrook's career uh, knows that the way, the way Russ Westbrook is playing as a as a Laker is really no different than the way he played in Oklahoma City or or Washington or Houston. So, if if you know the question or the suggestion is that this is Russ Westbrook's fault that this hasn't worked out, I would say no. The fault is for anybody who thought that Russ Westbrook was going to be any different in a Lakers uniform than he was at any other point in his career. And it's interesting watching, for me, watching Stanley Johnson in a Lakers uniform as an example, or Andrew Wiggins with the Golden State Warriors, in that I'm not of the mind um, that guys don't change. Uh, I, I do believe that guys can change. The great Red Auerbach, Auerbach said, 
guys don't change. I, I, I believe I believe they can. Um, and I think we've seen that with Wiggins and Stanley Johnson is a perfect example. Stanley Johnson came into the into the league thinking that he was going to be the next LeBron James, and now he's just hoping to be the next PJ Tucker and is willing to do whatever's necessary in order to stay in the league and, and, and continue to play. Russ Westbrook has, has never had to face that dilemma. He's always allowed to have been allowed to be Russ because he has generated just enough, whether it's attention, wins, numbers, whatever the, 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 uh, the bar may be, he's done enough of that to, to continue to uh, be allowed to play the way that he has played. Um, so you weren't going to get a change from him simply because he was putting on a Lakers uniform. And that to me is at the heart of, of why this hasn't worked because of all the pieces that they gave up in order to get Westbrook and then what the anticipation was going to be like the, <laughs> the definition of how Westbrook was going to play with the Lakers in order to make this work. I was like, Okay, that sounds like a good definition, but I, why would anybody think that that's actually the way that Westbrook is going to be going to play? And okay. and that's how it has played out. So, whose decision was it? Who 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 said yes? Russell Westbrook is the guy that that we need to move these pieces for. Well, ultimately, that was driven by from what I understand, um, it was driven by LeBron that. Obviously, he talked to Damian Lillard over the summer. DeMar DeRozan uh, did a, uh, had a job interview. I mean, was, th- these aren't guys that met with Rob Palenka. They're guys who met with LeBron James. And as did Russ Westbrook, met with LeBron and, and, and AD. And my what I've been told, look, and this is something that's been a mystery to people around the league, They're like, LeBron knows the game. Like, what was it that LeBron, that made LeBron think that this equation was going to work? And first of all, it's a matter of options. It's not as if he could just go and get Damian Lillard, even if Damian Lillard had agreed and said, I want to be traded and I want to be traded to the Lakers. That, w- that still would have been an incredibly difficult uh, thing to do. Russ, Russ was available. It was, it was, they were capable of getting him. Um, but what he wanted was, my understanding is, like he wanted another dog next to him. He's, he's already playing with Anthony Davis, who doesn't, it doesn't have that in him. He's not that kind of guy. And he, and he wanted that. Um, it, it's why, like, for all that DeMar DeRozan is doing in Chicago, LeBron saw the DeMar DeRozan show up close, firsthand, first person, battling him in the East. DeMar DeRozan being as kind of the driving personality that he needed to get AD to play the way that he hopes AD would play and somebody that he could count on to not be afraid in the big moments in a game. Like, Russ checked the boxes there. Did he know about the other stuff? Yeah, sure. But he thought that that element would be the thing that would ultimately win the day. And and it hasn't. And it um, – and I would say that I never expected that it would, but that was the gambit that was the reason for why the Lakers are where they were, uh, where they are. And by the way, anybody, and I went back and watched this fourth quarter because I'm a glutton for punishment. I watched the fourth quarter of the Pacers twice. And uh, the idea that Russ was the only D 
defensive liability out there. I mean, LeBron James is a, a, a scored 30 points and was a minus team leading minus 20 for the game. Austin Reeves played nearly the entire fourth quarter and did not take a single shot. Uh, and I wouldn't have him out there for his offensive prowess. I he's mean, not Mike, he's, not, list, he's not Michael Cooper, right? You know, exactly. really, my, number, the, the number of guys out there that were, I mean, first of all, their, their, their health defense is non-existent. The next time you see a guy rotate over to help, uh, on somebody who's been beat will be the first time in, in, well, I mean, I guess you saw some of it with Utah, but Utah was fairly easy, and Utah thought that they could still win that game simply by the threes have to start falling for, falling for us at some point. The, the Utah game's an outlier. Um, but for the most part, this this team is so indifferent in in helping each other or maybe simply the ability of being able to help each other defensively that to, to point to any one person and say uh, th- they're the reason for the defensive breakdown is, is laughable to me. No, it, 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 you're, you're right. You're, you're actually being incredibly fair, which, which brings, brings me to there, – there's a couple things. First, I blame LeBron for Westbrook, but I blame Palinka for Caruso. And I think okay. that, and, and I think you know, Caruso is a guy. He's not a magician, but of the of the all the things that they're missing, that's what yep. they're missing, right? A guy who who defends, who has no ego as far as shooting, who everybody likes, who's kind of come up, kind of a mailroom sort of guy, was going to take less to come back. That was a massive miscalculation. They lost Caruso. They they lost all of their kind of the mojo, and and I think that 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 the reason he pulled Russell, it was kind of personal. Right. It was. It was. You're killing us at the offensive end. You're not doing one at the defensive end. But also like his and there's just a negative energy there that that is yeah. un, undeniable, undeniable. And he may be just in his own head about his own game and frustrated. It doesn't matter when you're Russell Westbrook. The team feeds off of that. I, it was it felt did feel very personal. Like you said, he could take anybody out. And Russell Westbrook was the guy he took out. Yeah, no, that, I mean. Certainly that's fair. What I don't know, and this is a dynamic that's always there and is there for every head coach that people don't like, you know, the social media geniuses out there who are like, Oh, Frank's rotation. It's, you know, this is, he's not playing Dwight Howard. There is no coach in the league that unilaterally plays the guys that they want to play or the uses the rotation. That is all informed by and decisions made in conjunction with the front office. And in the case of Frank Vogel in particular right now, as has been revealed, Kurt Rambus is in the coaches' meeting. Now, that generally doesn't happen on a regular basis with all teams. Coaches will talk about, hey, this is what I'm thinking of doing with the rotation. This is who I'm thinking of playing. All of that is vetted not only with the GM, but generally with the best players on the team. If there's if there's something significant that is going to change um, uh, as far as, as as rotations going certainly going into a game, uh, so there is that, and that's the part that I don't know is how much of this is being informed or the decision on Westbrook was. I'm being told like, hey, did him the bleep down, or it was no, you got to like you still got to 
you still got to play him. And Frank got to a point where he's like, screw it. My, my, my butt is on the line. I'm, right. I'm going to do what I need to do that, to try to win the game. That's what it feels like. I, kind of quickly here, Buke, we got we got to run. Um, yep. I don't. When, once you talk about firing a coach, and you yeah. got Chris Haynes reporting, no personnel moves for now. <laughs> right. 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 It, it's it, it's, he's, he's, he's not. He's not dead right yet. Now. It's like it's it's like when 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 Joe Paterno died. Like no, he's not dead, but he's like right. it's they've 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 yeah. called the priest. Like it's going to happen at some point soon. Yeah. Who yeah. replaces him? I, no, and I, I mean, I honestly I don't know. Um, you know, David Fisdale got a little a uh, little trial run uh, while Frank was out with COVID, and that did not go well. And I just I don't see a way in which Fiz has the personality uh, to to drive this team where it needs to go. I mean, it's 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 I don't know that anybody can coach it. You know, Kurt Rambis has coached. Kurt Rambis obviously is has a lot of thoughts about how this team should play. Would he possibly um, go that he direction? He wanted to play I, two I, big guys. He's like, he wants that? to play DeAndre Jordan and well, Dwight I, Howard. I'm not, I'm not saying I would do it if I'm Jeannie Buss. And I and if I was Kurt Rambis, I wouldn't do it because I think he's got a pretty cush situation here right now. I'm just saying, like, alternatives. I'm looking at the bench. I don't see... Uh, I don't see an answer. Um, I, and I don't see somebody out there. And this is this again, in the composition of the team, this was my problem from the very beginning. Like you're asking who, who, who has a personality and a track record among yeah. any coaches potentially available out there that can tell Anthony Davis, Carmelo, Anthony, Russ Westbrook, LeBron James. Am I missing anybody? Um, you know, four or five guy, Dwight Howard, Four or five guys that either are on, are on the all-time 75 list or think they should be. This is how we're going to play. This is how you guys need to collectively play. This is what you need. These are the sacrifices you need to make in order for us to win. I don't know that that guy exists. And so to think that there's a, a coaching change that is going to solve the Lakers' problem is somewhat of a fantasy. Rick Buecher, check him out on uh, Speak for Yourself. Follow him on social media. He's great. Buke, you're the best. Appreciate you joining us. You got it, Doug. Doug Gottlieb Show brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today. Visit LasVegas.com. Keith Bullock, who, of course, three-time All-Pro, great player with the Titans. Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, Keith, everybody we've talked to a set, likes to say that this Kansas City Buffalo game. That's the de facto AFC Championship game. Why do you think the disrespect um, is out there for the Tennessee Titans? Oh, I think uh, just because the other three teams in the AFC, especially those two teams, are the more sexier teams. You know, Kansas City has been the team to beat since Mahomes has been at the helm. Josh Allen has been playing lights out since his, you know, his second, third. He's always gotten progressively better and they put on shows last week to be frank you know i feel like they went out and handled their business as you should as a top seeded team and you know bring it down to the cincinnati game or the cincinnati team 
look, everybody loves Joe Burrow. I even love him. Jamar Chase. So everything is more exciting. The storylines are, are better. Um, the best storyline the Titans really have, Derrick Henry's coming back. And do we know if he's going to play? So I, I think that's kind of where it's coming from. But this team is used to that. You know, it's been going on since they've been here. Is he going to play? I'm not the coach. Uh, I, I wouldn't know. I mean, I think all I think everything indicates that he's going to play. He's been practicing since last week. They shut him. They didn't put him out there to play against the Texans. I'm sorry, two weeks ago he's been practicing. They didn't put him out there against the Texans. They went full pads yesterday, um, and he was out there. So I'm saying every indication he plays, but to how much and to what extent, we don't know. We won't know. Um, I would say – Vrabel's as good as as anybody there is because he he does seem to combine, you know, the intelligence of, frankly, the position you played, right? The intelligence of the linebacker position and the ability to relate to guys. But also, you know, just has feels like I mean, I remember two years ago, two years ago, right? Brady's last game and how they bled the clock down, understanding, knowing all the rules, knowing, you know, how to shorten the game for his team. Um, how, How how important is Vrabel? to this mix. Well, we all think Derrick Henry is right. And they're ability to run the football, but as a, as a guy who played for this team at the very highest level, what's, what's your thoughts on Vrabel and his contribution to them getting the one seed? Yeah, I think it, it's been great. You know, obviously they started off hot minus that blow that blowout again in the first game of the season against Arizona, where they got blown out at home. Um, I think Mike has done the best job. Mike Vrabel's done the best job when Derrick Henry went down. Obviously, more fell in Ryan Tannehill's lap. You saw more turnovers, things of that nature. But they were able to figure it out, never change their offensive game plan, figure out how to run and continue to run the same offense without their stud, number um, 2,000-yard rusher Derrick Henry, and to finish with the number one seed um, being 12-5. and And I think a lot of that has to do, and I know a lot of that has to do with how much the defense stepped their game up, led by Kevin Byard, um, all-pro safety, and putting it on them because the defense felt they weren't up to snuff last year where the offense was um, pulling them. And a lot of times this year, especially when Derrick Henry was out, and I think this defense played the biggest against Kansas City as well as uh, when they played Josh Allen with their defensive fronts, the way they were make they made those two great quarterbacks adjust their game, and that's a tribute to Mike Vrabel, their game playing, and his coaching staff. Can they if if Derrick Henry doesn't play, can they win? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Titans are who they are. Deontay Foreman, who stepped in along with Hillier, who stepped in for Derrick Henry, um, he just had twenty six. He just had twenty six rushes and one hundred forty yards, I believe. Um, Ryan Tannehill has been very efficient the last two games, not turning the ball over, great on third down, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions. So I believe that last game against the Texans was huge for him and the whole offense simply because they had Julio, A.J. Brown. Julio got involved in the game, five catches. A.J. Brown did his thing. And they had a running back that wasn't Derrick Henry rushed for over 100 yards. So I think that the chemistry of their offense is intact. How much Derrick Henry plays, he'll definitely help. Maybe he gives them that Kirk that Gibson moment, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, but I don't necessarily see him being a 20-carry guy. But if they need it and he can do it, I know Derrick will step up. Keith, um, um, 
what's interesting is I think it's lots of people's lack of belief in Brian Tannehill. Now, on the other sideline is Zach Taylor, who worked with Tannehill back in Miami. And actually, you know, before he got hurt, he had a, his, his best year as a pro in Miami, you know, before these past couple of years, through for over 4,000 yards. Is, is that an advantage? Like, is, or is it just kind of TV talk that, hey, Zach Taylor co- coached him, knows him. Is that an advantage to, for, the, for the Bengals at all? Uh, I, I think that's TV talk. It's just like, you know, the matchup. We got the Titans have Christian Fulton and Jamar Chase. They were high school teammates as well as teammates at LSU. Right. So, you know, those make for, for great storylines and things um, of that nature. But I think, and I agree with you, Ryan Tannehill was starting to hit that curve before he got injured in Miami, and he was just supposed to come here and be, in back, be a backup to Marcus Mariota. I always liked that move. But I think for Ryan Tannehill to be able to sit back in a backup role, understand the game, understand the Titans' offense, how they wanted to run it, it just made it easier for him. He was playing with house money when he first got in there, took him to the playoffs, and then, you know, um, the team rallied behind him, loves him and believes him, and all that. You know, um, you played sports, so, you know, once you have a belief in a leader, that's all that matters in your locker room. Yeah. Um, who, do they, who do they want to play more, Kansas City or Buffalo? I think they have the confidence to play um, either one of them. You know, they've beaten Buffalo up there. They've beaten Buffalo here. They beat Kansas City here this year. They went up to Kansas City two years ago and played in the AFC Championship game. And I feel there's a – well, I know there's a big nucleus of players from that AFC Championship team that, look, they feel like they're ready. This time it's like the Titans the last few years have kind of – trickled into the playoffs. We don't really know what they're going to do. It's really all up to the Titans. They have home field throughout. And look, like I said in the beginning of this um, interview, that they don't necessarily care that of the disrespect or anything. I think they're just looking forward to the opportunity to host the home playoff game on Saturday and really just put the NFL on alert. And I hope the best for them. You know, all these guys want to get played in Bitcoin. When you played for the Titans, you should have gotten paid in in like in real estate in in Nashville. Oh like can you, can you can you imagine if when you first got to Nashville, you're just like, listen, just pay me. I'm just gonna buy a house every year and just sit on it. What what it would be worth? You'd you'd be richer than these Bitcoin guys. It's unbelievable. You know, being a guy from New, from New York, like you know, it wasn't my idea of a first round draft pick, Nashville, Tennessee, in 2000. But if I would have paid attention to the trends, yeah, you're absolutely right. Man. I would be a Real estate mogul. Forget a, a former NFL linebacker. And a really good one. Keith, appreciate you joining us, man. Enjoy the game this weekend. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks for having me, man. He was a pro bowler and all pro. When well, you're a three-time all pro, he was a great player on some of those great Tennessee Titan teams. Keith Bullock joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Follow him on Twitter at KBull53. KBull53. Ooh, draft time. Here's what we do. Coming up next, we're going to draft who, what quarterbacks we have the most confidence in this weekend. That's next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Mike check. Mike check. If you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game, what's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real... 
I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live wherever you get your podcast from. If you're a valued customer, you deserve a simple gesture of appreciation from your credit card company. That's why Discover matches all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year. Discover exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Um, I want to get to a game. We'll have a lot of fun with it in a second, but I don't know if you guys saw this one. The NCAA has adopted a sport-by-sport approach for transgender athletes, bringing the organization in line with the U.S. and international Olympic committees. Under the new guidelines approved by the NCAA Board of Governors, uh, today, transgender participation for each short, uh, sport will be determined by the policy of the sports national governing body. And this is all in reaction to the fact that there's a female s- swimmer named uh, Leah Thomas who's smashing records this year. Leah transitioned from being a man to a woman. Am, am I the only one like... It, we it, we made this, this is another topic. This is honestly exactly like the vaccination topic, right? Where we all know what the right thing to do is, what the fair thing to do is. And yet we've made it incredibly political, right? Like I can say like, you have the right, if you're an adult, to transition to another gender, if that's what you believe you are. You have, you have that right. But I mean, like, are we in denial of the fact she's going to smash every record held by the greatest female swimmers of all time in collegiate sports? And I I don't, how, how do we, we're, we're okay with that. Again, doesn't mean it doesn't make you a homophobe or anti-trans, does it? When you're sitting there going like, okay, somebody, Katie Ledecky was born a woman, and so she does not produce testosterone, so she's not going to have the same level of strength and endurance of a man. Like, I, this, this feels, and by the way, the NSA going like, hey, we want no part of this thing, right? No part of it. The NCAA, by the NCAA going like, hey, it's sport by sport, and it's going to depend on the national committee, that's the NCAA going like, no thanks. We want nothing to do with it. What a weird world we live in, right? Where it's like, look, you you want somebody who transitions to another sex. It, it's already been hard enough for them. You don't want to make their life any more more difficult. Like you gotta be, you can be, you can be. I think fully accepting and understanding. On the other hand, you go like, okay, but like here's the deal: high level sports. It's just it's not not fair. I'm not. I can't be the only one who thinks this way. This is the Radical Center, kids. Welcome to the Radical Center. Let's uh, let's get you to Dan Beyer for a game. Game This is game time. It's game time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Check out the latest lines from World of Sports at BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be 21. President in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. Dan Beyer, what do you got? Doug, the game today is... 
<laughs> I feel a draft. And just to clear up something from yesterday, because immediately after the show ended, after I was calling Roger Moore Charlie Moore, yeah. Charlie Moore was the character that Howard Hessman played in Head of the Class. So that's why I had Charlie Moore on the mind, uh, on the brain. That's where... Uh, Charlie Moore came from. And, Doug, to let you know, John Ramos made the executive decision on the topic of this game. We were either going to draft the eight remaining helmets left in the NFL. That was your favorite. That was your pick. Yes, or the eight remaining quarterbacks. And, John, you decided with? Ramos. I decided to go ahead and do the uh, quarterbacks. Yeah, Yeah, John did quarterbacks. Oh. It's your show. You can, if you want to do the helmets, by all means, let's I do it. I want to do the helmets. Everybody does the quarterbacks. Let's do the helmets. Okay. Well, the draft order is myself going first, then Bo Benson, who's in for Jason Stewart at number two, John Ramos at three, Doug, you have picks four and five, and then we will snake it back. So the eight remaining teams, and I made this note, uh, I think during the wild card game they played on Saturday. With the first overall pick, I will select the Cincinnati Bengals helmet, which I think is the best helmet in the National Football League. I, I, I would I would love to argue with you, but I think it's amazing. I, I think it's an awesome helmet. It's really, really good. I, I have one in my mind. I'm hoping it's around for four or five. Ooh. That's it. That, uh, we'll, we'll get now, to that. All right, Bo, I, Bo, you're up. And by the way, I was doing it with the eight teams that are remaining in the playoffs. No, I, got, I got it. Okay. Yeah, All right. I got it. Cool. All right, Bo, you're but up. But you do think that the Bengals had the best helmet in football regardless yes. if it's 32 or eight. Correct. Correct. Go ahead. Yeah. All right, I'll take the uh, I'll take the 49ers, uh, just classic and Ooh. smooth and cool. Yes, it is, it is. It is. It's iconic because of how good they've been, how good they were back in the '80s, right? And those uniforms, a great uniform matchup between the Cowboys and the Niners, uh, by the way. And there'll be a great uniform matchup, um, uh, Packers and Niners this weekend. All right, uh, Ramos. Uh, it's the Rams. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the Ram. I like. I don't like this one as much as I like the previous one. I think you should have left alone. I get it that it's more moving forward. I will take the Rams because I've always loved that the horns on the helmet. So I will take the Rams at number three. Rams are um, off the board. Doug, you have two picks. Okay, so just for people who understand, Buccaneers is still around, but okay, I feel like that one's going last. You got iconic ones. You got Bills, Chiefs, Packers. Okay, so I'm going to take the Packers at four, iconic, and I'm going to take the Chiefs at five. And my logic behind, and then you have Titans, obviously. Um, My logic behind it is this. Okay, one, those are the two teams that played in the first Super Bowl. Am I correct, right? Yep. I I believe so. Secondly, Packers, obviously, historically great. Um, You know, green and, and, and yellow are terrible colors, but the Packers make it work and make it look cool. Yeah, the reason the Chiefs, the, the Chiefs one is not only historic, but also at some point somebody's going to cause a ruckus and they're going to make them change their helmet because <laughs> somehow an arrowhead is is offensive to somebody. So I think you're also going to get a collector's item. That's my argument with Ooh. the Chiefs. I'll take the Packers and the Chiefs. Packers yellow shell is uh, pretty strong, pretty yeah, uh, strong. iconic. All right, Ramos, you're up in Yeah, I'll six. take the Bills. I'll take yeah. the Bills. Good, good strong yeah. pick. Yeah. All right, Bo. It's down to the Titans or Buccaneers. I will take the Buccaneers on the off chance that one day they go back to uh, Bucko Bruce or whatever, whatever his name is. Yeah, was. it is Bucko Bruce. Get it Bucko straight. That is, that is for sure. <laughs> uh, and, and finally, I'll take the Tennessee Titans, the only team left, which I actually don't mind as much. Uh, some people don't like their new uniform get up. I don't mind the uh, Navy helmet, so I got the Titans. In- That's game, huh? Game time. This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show.
the the most iconic helmets that are not have not been mentioned, right? Raiders and Cowboys, yeah. uh, I would say, are the the next two um, that haven't changed, right? And part of it is they haven't changed. Like the Giants have changed theirs instead, and they've changed it back in a couple times. That's a that's a pretty good one. Crazy night in L.A. will make heads or tails of what's really going on next in the Doug Gottlieb show.